face to face, hand to hand, film to film. Welcome to the Film to Film podcast. My name is James Shergan. I am joined by my good friend Inyaki Liniero. How are you doing, Inyaki? Doing pretty well, pretty well. How about you? Doing all right, doing all right. Um, so today we are bringing back the most featured director on Film to Film. Uh, partly thanks to you, but mostly thanks to myself, uh, bringing on the 11th film, 10th and the 11th film, uh, apparently, that we have watched from him. Uh, so, Mr. Dario Argento, we are going to be talking about trauma and Stendhal syndrome today. Uh, but first, uh, because we are kind of near the end of what people consider to be Argento's good films, uh, I wanted to quickly do just a quick top five list. Uh, uh, you where we'll kind of count down you'll say your five i'll say my five we'll briefly talk about them uh before we kind of get into both of those movies so uh are you ready for that nyaki i think i have five but in no particular order okay do do uh okay well whatever we will just go in no particular order then uh for your list i i did kind of order mine but it's sort of arbitrary too uh so do your best to list your favorites at at the end so starting from uh five what do you got all right starting from five um so just list one film yeah 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 yeah, yeah. sorry i'm just like re-looking at my my list uh i'm gonna yeah. say um opera okay all right what do you uh yeah actually that's the same as my number five so i guess we are uh on the same page on that one uh for me i really like uh, a lot of opera but i don't particularly love the ending like some of the parts are like as creative as argento gets with the crows and stuff like that and the cinematography is really beautiful at points but uh for me there's still a couple rough uh moments there but for the most part i really like opera yeah uh i mean i i i just remember it being a fun movie to watch uh yes with with the uh, crow eye, eye view and uh, you know a bunch of like fun little tidbits yes some some argentos i feel like are more memorable than others and for me at least the batshit part of or crow shit part of crows just going wild uh in the opera house is is one of those argento moments that i will probably never forget um mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe when I'm really old and have some memory disorder or something. Uh, anyways, uh, what do you have for number four? I have Phenomena. Oh, interesting. I do not have Phenomena on my list. Uh, do you want to say a few words of why you like it? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I'm, I'm talking more about what what stuck in my mind more most. So <laughs> I don't know if like if maybe if I rewatch all these films. Uh, it would not make it my, into my top five. But Phenomena was one of the few where, you know, there are very clear images that are very memorable. You got the, uh, the bug bed. You got the beautiful underwater scene where while explosions are happening and, you know, that deformed child is dying. And, of course, uh, you got, you know, the, the monkey going ape shit uh, on a car. <laughs> And who can forget? Who can forget the terribly placed uh, <laughs> metal music during a funeral? Um, I mean, obviously that that last bit was is uh, a big minus, but all the yeah. other elements, to be honest, uh, uh, were highlights that um, you know, yeah, are still there. Yeah, Phenomena is one of those films that definitely leaves a smile on my face, but. Uh, like opera, it has a lot of moments of unevenness. If I had six, maybe that would be number six. So I do love, especially like the last 20 minutes of that movie. Um, uh, my number four could de depend on the day, but I'm actually going to put uh, his most famous film there, uh, Suspiria, which mm. I I really do like. Um, for me, it was one that I had to watch a couple times to get around to. Um, I don't think you need to say too much about this one. It's just very, uh, like, the images are really, really amazing one of a kind um the soundtrack is really in your face for me it's just not uh the one of the top four that i would choose to watch uh, the most often uh, because it so, is so in your face and so uh singular in some ways uh, but definitely one of the most ar uh, memorable argentos i think i just love the other three a little bit more um okay so what mm -hmm. do you have at number three suspiria actually oh there you go anything to yeah add? huh anything to i add? mean uh, what can you say besides you know colors 
Xperia, <laughs> I mean, when, when you consider, you know, style over substance, uh, this is definitely more style than substance, but uh, boy, the amount of style you get in this film is something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just beats you over the head with it. Um, so my number three, I have the companion to Suspiria, uh, which honestly I did consider putting as high as one, uh, Inferno, uh, which I like in a lot of the same ways. Um, I think I prefer it just a little bit uh, because it's a little less, uh, for me, it's a little more well-rounded in terms of like uh, the score and stuff like that. It beats you in the down in the head a little bit uh, less than Suspiria does. And I just, uh, for me, the story is not a highlight in either film. And I think for me, Inferno just uh, ranks a little bit more. It's just really, really beautiful visually. Another great underwater sequence, just like Phenomena. Um, so uh, definitely one of my favorites. That's funny, because yeah, that's my number two. <laughs> I feel like this is what happened when we did the Politeotescus too. Uh, one of us was just trailing the other. Uh, in this case, it's like I'm ranking them one spot lower than you. Uh, anything yeah. to say on Inferno? Uh, great monkey costume at the end, or death co death costume at the end. <laughs> uh, whatever it was, like that, you know, the skeleton costume. Yes, that that's that's probably the worst part of the movie. I know. <laughs> yeah, we ran out of budget. <laughs> go go over to a, a stop and shop, and or I don't know, I what what's a costume shop? What's a cheap budget costume shop in New York City? Wherever that uh, is, display and costume. Oh, in New York City, I don't know. Yeah, or maybe it's in Italy, I don't know. Uh, okay. Let's uh, go to Spencer's. Spencer's, there you are. Uh, number two, I have uh, Tenebrae. Uh, depending on the day, uh, this could also be my number one. Uh, for me, it's a film that I really liked more on my second viewing of it. Um, I just, for me, it's just very fun. Great Goblin score, uh, a lot going on. The the Giallo films, his top two Giallo films for me are easy watches. So those films I could just put on uh, just about any day and really enjoy it. So that's uh, Tenebrae, kind of the scream of the Giallo kind of meta. Uh, definitely one that I feel like you can appreciate more once you've seen a handful of Giallos. Mm -hmm. um, so. So what do you got at number one? Uh, number one, I got uh, Deep Red. Okay, same here. <laughs> yeah, anything to say? Um, it's the one that probably has the most complete plot. Uh, <laughs> and yet you still have lots of the style. Yeah. So it's, it's the most complete movie <laughs> overall. Yeah, yeah. Even though, I mean, it still is very, very Dario. Um, it kind of does bridge the gap between, like, his earlier films, which, you know, are, are far more conventional films than Suspiria. So, yeah, I really love it, too. It's the first Giallo I really, really loved. Depending on the day, that or Tenebrae are my favorite uh, Giallo film, period. Uh, okay. Anything to I mean, add? Re remind me, uh, like, with Tenebrae... Mm -hmm. Who was the killer again? <laughs> so it was the uh, author was the final killer. It was his fan that was sending the notes uh, at first and doing the initial killings. And then uh, eventually the author kills the fan and then starts killing people on his own. Oh, and the author is the, the, guy, the guy who was bicycling in New York City. Yes. God. Yeah, the, the biking to New York. Yeah. Yeah. I, I For me, it's one that I probably would not have put... Uh, in my top four until I rewatched it and now it, it has kind of risen above uh, for me Deep Red was a little bit of an easier one to initially love at the time uh, okay well thank you Inyaki for uh, uh, ranking those films real fast uh, I think in general we actually lined up pretty closely uh, on those so probably mm -hmm. perhaps not a surprise uh, we do tend to see alike on these so let's get down into Dario Argento in the 1990s um, yeah. to two films uh, that are have a mixed reputation. Uh, they don't necessarily have a terrible reputation like uh, Phantom of the Opera or Dracula 3D, but they don't necessarily have, uh, they're not necessarily canonical uh, Dario Argento films in the way that like his 70s and 80s films are. So I'm really curious to see uh, what you think of uh, both of these movies. So um, yeah, well, what, what's your impressions uh, of either of them? Um, uh, I think 
trauma actually was surprisingly I actually I mean when we're talking about completeness of a film mm-hmm. trauma actually felt better written than many of the Argento movies we just talked about mm-hmm. uh, the the plot is somewhat easier to follow in this in certain ways um, this film was not a dud was it Ooh, I don't know. Um, maybe not. Uh, I believe Stendhal was. Uh, yeah, Stendhal was a hundred percent dubbed. Um, yeah. and, and, and the copy I watched on uh, I forget the the name of the streaming service. Voodoo. W- vo- uh, yeah, Voodoo uh, would jump from English to, to Italian a couple times. Yes, that does happen. Uh, which, um, but I but I mean yeah no it was dubbed in both languages. Uh, trauma felt like it was not. I mean, there are moments, moments obviously, where uh, probably, you know, whatever. But uh, 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 Trauma, I think, writing-wise, it, it felt like a better film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the style of uh, is not as prevalent, although there is a very memorable way of uh, killing. I mean, memorable way of killing. Um and the, the the weakest point of this film is i would say the acting and or directing of the actors i think that's uh the weakest point and you can no longer blame on the dubbing yeah yeah uh fair enough i mean i think you kind of nail hit the nail on the head on trauma uh i more or less agree with just about everything you said there uh, for me, it's a film that I do really enjoy, uh, mostly if I go in with modest expectations. Mm. Uh, I love the last 20 minutes of this film. Like Phenomena, uh, it, it is a movie that leaves a smile on my face, even if yes. I don't love the whole journey getting there. Uh, it does leg at points, but oh man, oh man, I, I do love the ending. And some of the killer design, I, I am also a, a big fan of. Uh, so I think Piper and Lori, uh, we do spoil uh, films in this one, who plays the uh, mother there. Uh, <laughs> the acting in the film is not good, but I thought she was pretty good. Uh, oh no, she she hemmed yeah. it up well, and that's that's lovely. Uh, this film is, I mean, uh, and and this is an area that I, I forgot to mention when you when you just said you know I brought a smile to your face. Uh, I'm not sure if this is an evolution on Argento's films. I mean, Stendhal Syndrome doesn't have that, but this one does. Which is, uh, this one has lots of uh, comedy. I think I, I'm going to give him give uh, give him credit and say that it was purposefully. Uh, like it has lots of like comedic moments uh, that made me made me laugh quite a bit. Um, in in a way, it feels like a very nineteen nineties film. It, it feels is, yeah. like a, a very big merger between. 1990s America, like it, it feels like a giallo that has 1990s um, Amer- American 1990s like elements just lifted from you know whatever like most popular American movie. Yeah, oh, let's have a fucking blonde kid uh, with you know like glasses. Yeah, and yeah, Maca- yeah, yeah. Macaulay Culkin, you know, like yeah. double basic. Yeah, Home popular. Let's toss this kid in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not Macaulay Culkin. We're gonna get you know the knockoff version of him. Uh, let's get this other <laughs> knockoff version of something American. Um, so yeah, yeah, the movie. It's it, in a way, it's kind of. Uh, I I don't know. Uh, in my notes, I have many moments where I laughed. <laughs> yes, and. Uh, I, I think this is one of those uh, similar sim- similarly with opera where I think there's a lot more humor in it I think in there for, on purpose than you know his other films and that right. at least made it more enjoyable yeah for me too I, I, I just don't take this film that seriously and I enjoy it it is trying to do some social messaging uh, about anorexia social messaging I think is never Argento's uh, strong point as as, as well as uh, uh, the acting. So I think it certainly has some pretty obvious weaknesses to it. But yeah, I mean, for me, this is a film that I do, I have a good time with. Uh, there are aspects for the next film, Stendhal Syndrome, that make it to be very much not a good time in, in my point of view. Uh, we'll talk about that one. I'm curious if we'll see eye to eye on that one as well. Um, but uh, 
quick question on that. Yeah. So again, uh, you were talking about the the social message of this film. Was that a, a, a real so social me message, or just like anything else that uh, Argento is just lifting from the '90s? I mean, I remember in the '90s, like because of like some there was like a famous person who had anorexia and almost died or perhaps died. I don't, I forgot, but it was a big deal. Everyone was talking about it, and it almost feels like Argento was like. Yes, another pop culture thing to just put it, to shove in my movie for no fucking reason. <laughs> yeah, I, like, you think I, it was this? I, 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 the other thing that cracks me up too is he did these films two back to back, and he went from like anorexia, which is like a pretty common thing, uh, to Stendhal syndrome, which is like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I, mean, it, I think it's a syndrome that it's only recognized by one uh, Italian fucking psychologist. So yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like the second one is it is not at all a commentary on on any no, psychological I, I, thing. I agree. I think it's more about like the sexual assault and stuff like that in the second one. I, but anyways, we'll yeah. get, we'll get into that. Uh, but to to your earlier point about uh, their anorexia, um, Dario Argento's um, stepdaughter. Uh, so. Uh, it was anorexic. So I do actually think it came from a personal place, even though uh, it does feel very 90s the way it is uh, kind of done. Wow. Okay. Uh, yes. I did not know that. Uh, I will, with that said, um, the theory behind, like, the explanations that they have, have in this uh, movie about anorexia where I think highly inaccurate at best, and known to be inaccurate in the 90s too. So that's why I thought it, they just like shoved it in just like any other, you know, medical mumbo jumbo, like, uh, yeah, you know, like the Kato Nine Tales, you know. It, <laughs> it's so clumsy that you can hardly even take it that seriously too, in my opinion. So yeah, I mean, as far as like that goes, it, it doesn't necessarily land that well. Uh, but I see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was literally putting it together with, you know, having a Macaulay Culkin knockoff. It's like, let's just have a knockoff version of what's popular, you know, at the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually thought that uh, the kid was uh, kind of like just more in that Spielberg vein and stuff like that. But then at the end, the kid kind of goes into a very, uh, uh, he, his fate is very different than that of a Spielberg kid. Uh, anyways, one thing that you mentioned earlier that I did want to draw us back to is the setting here. Uh, about how this is very American, and you are correct. Uh, this is his one and only uh, American film. Oddly enough, Stendhal Syndrome was originally supposed to be set in Phoenix, Arizona, another head-scratching thing, uh, but this one is actually set uh, in Minnesota, which is uh, mm -hmm. very random. How do you, how the hell do you think he picked Minnesota, and how do you like the loca location? I think he picked Minnesota because it was cheap. Um... <laughs> Because, you know, filming in, in New York probably is really expensive. And, uh, you know, he didn't want to do Vancouver like everyone else. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, picking, I, I actually didn't know it was Minnesota. I did, never really paid attention. I, thought, I, I mean, I, I've never been to Minnesota. So, I, I yeah, I mean, it's very Americana. Uh, I don't know what really makes Minnesota distinct. So, I've never been there. But, uh, yeah, it, it, I would not have known it was Minnesota either unless I, until I did the research. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I I really have no idea why he picked Minnesota because <laughs> let, let let's be honest. It's obviously I it doesn't seem like this is happening in the summer in the film. But it's definitely not winter. Yeah, cuz it's so, going to look like Fargo. So he literally just picked like the worst place to film a movie about a killer who kills during rain time. Because it's either snowing in winter, right? Or, I don't know, I don't know maybe Minnesota has, like, uh, humid summers. But, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I, I really think it was, uh, he, someone, like, pointed to the map. Maybe they had a friend there. Uh Maybe, yeah, maybe he, he knew people who owned, like, Space Force Studio. Um, good yeah. enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to be something like that, because Minnesota is almost too random uh, to be anything but that. Uh, 
Okay, uh, yeah, because it doesn't really use the location. It feels very generic Americana rather than, like, this is Minnesota or this is New York or this is L.A. Um, yeah, because is it, like, is, that, is it in Minneapolis? I don't know. Or is it in the suburbs? It's, it's definitely unclear. Uh, yeah, uh, so anyways, I mean, I feel like Argento, one of his strengths is actually the visuals of this film. I do feel like, for, uh, compared to his previous feature film, um, opera and his stuff in the 80s, this does have a very different look to it. Uh, how, how do you feel about kind of the uh, general look and feel of uh, trauma? Is, I mean, there are some Argento elements, you know, the, the focusing on the lizards. Uh, yes. The uh, the but the butterflies, uh, you know, the those little details that you get here and there. Um, so I mean, in that sense, it's very gentle. Like, there, I feel like on the other hand, uh, this movie plays a lot more with uh, sound effects. Mm -hmm. uh, this movie goes all out with sound. Uh, I mean. Uh, the hospital scene, uh, for example, is one of my favorites. Uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about if that's within your list of sins sure. you want to talk about. Sure, let's talk later. about it. Yeah. Oh, okay. you want to talk about it now? Uh, uh, sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, we'll get into scenes sure? really shortly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I kind of have a very loose structure for this. So, yeah, let's get into. Oh, it, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, like, so I mean, for me, my favorite scene is the hospital scene where you know, uh, uh, uh the the girl's back back in the hospital uh, tied up um and but she somehow was able to pickpocket nurse uh and you you get the killer going in there uh, and doing you know some of the kills and he, the the main guy um david uh you know he he's there he goes there to try to rescue her and it's just fascinating, like that moment where you just have a couple of hallway scenes. Uh, first, when the girl kind of escapes the room and the, the camera is just on her, but you hear an alarm, you hear people screaming, you know that the killer already has killed someone. You don't know how many people have died, but it, there's shit ton of screaming because all the folks with mental issues are out. So maybe they're screaming because they're being killed. Maybe not. You don't. You don't really know. And the camera is only focusing on on uh, the main girl. And then uh, then the main guy goes in, and then you get to see all the folks with mental issues like grabbing him, yelling at him, and it's just the sound. The calling him the killer. Yeah, yeah. Calling him the killer, and you have that constant sound plus the alarms. Yeah, and and that chaos is like very claustrophobic, and it just felt really. I mean, it was just a very effective scene overall. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I I think Dario Argento, even at this point, could still uh, construct some pretty nice uh, set pieces. Uh, for me, I I love the way that the camera is just really mobile in that scene. He always makes mm -hmm. a lot of use of like point of view shots and stuff like that from the killer, of course. Uh, but all of the characters really. So, but yeah, just kind of cruising through the hallway after. Uh, after uh, kind of all the chaos is unleashed, I think is right. Mm -hmm. Right. I get. I guess the the thing that I liked about this is that to me this one was different than other Argento films in that mm -hmm. instead of doing, I guess the point of view of the killer is like okay, classic Argento, but uh, no, this is more of uh, your 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 first. Uh, but sorry, your your third uh, third person view of the of your main character. But the camera is locked on the character as they're walking, so the camera is walking with them with the dolly. And you just see on the background of that hallway all the you know the, the crazy people but the sound i mean i i think as a as an overall scene not just the the, the camera view but uh, the sound and everything else to me that was way more unique uh that was new from comparing it to any other argento film that's a, that was something new and very refreshing uh hmm. uh and and that's why it, I highlight that one more than probably most scenes in this film. And is that this one was something new that uh, I really enjoyed, appreciate and appreciated. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I like also that you focused a lot on that whole scene rather than like just the killing part, which is usually what I feel like in Argento death killing scene is focused on. Um, so yeah. that that is interesting as well. 
Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, the killing itself was fun because you had the uh, cr- the crazy man calling his nurse as he's watching someone being killed. And then after the killer kills him, the crazy man just like waves goodbye to the killer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was fun too. But uh, but no, it was more of that anguishing feeling uh, after it, afterwards. Right, right. I mean, maybe that little bit at the end is like kind of like him winking at the camera. It's like more like it's for fun. It, it's like there's a sense of humor in this film. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I like the look of this film, too. Uh, apparently, Argento used a ton of smoke machines or something like that in this film, too. Uh, so much so that he actually lost his sense of taste and smell for something like 25 years after filming this, uh, mm. which I think is uh, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, that's, that's awful. Yeah, yeah. So he had COVID before COVID. Uh, and uh, yeah, I do like kind of that dreamy, smoky, uh, hazy atmosphere to the film that kind of gives it that dreamlike uh, atmosphere to it. So I do kind of like the general atmosphere that he interjects, especially into like the night scenes, uh, like mm-hmm. the seance and uh, some of the scenes towards the end of the film as well. Um, so those are those are uh, fun ones for me too. Um the soundtrack was done by Pino Donaggio, uh, who is Italian, uh, but a, and uh, Google Translate just translated to Pinocchio. <laughs> uh, but he is, uh, he does a lot of the Brian De Palma scores, so he did the Dress to Kill score. Uh, but um, uh, the American studios did not allow Argento to do uh, Goblin in this case. Uh, how do you feel about the score? It was fine. Yeah, it's it's a little more generic, isn't it? It's like sort of generic neoclassical sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm unlike you. I'm not. A, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Goblin either. So, because I mean, Argento sometimes uses Goblin very well, and sometimes uses Goblin god awfully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, given his track record of recent films, I'm kind of okay with them taking control and doing a more generic score uh, over this one. Uh, because, like, I thought Phenomena, the score that he used over the funeral was a disaster. <laughs> like, I don't know what he was thinking. So anyways, uh, I don't totally blame exactly. the studio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I mean, who knows? Uh in fact, actually, like uh, that, that again, the, the hospital hallway scene that I'm talking about, like it had actually very little music. Yeah. And it was only the sound, the the, the background sound, the alarm sound, and all that that added to to the tension. I have a feeling that if uh, Argento had you know Goblin on his hands and he had full control, and Goblin had control of the soundtrack. There would have been a goblin soundtrack, a song in there, like da 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 da, or some bullshit <laughs> like that. Probably, and it, it would have uh, taken all the tension out of the scene. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, not bad. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good scene too. Uh, okay, uh, so let's see. Uh, in terms of uh, different scene highlights, uh, you already got the hospital. Uh, for me, a couple of the fun kills are the elevator, uh, which is kind of a repeat of Deep Red, where we get a nice little decapitation. Uh, a little bit of questionable effects at points, but uh, for the most part, still a fairly uh, well done thing. You got a little bit of uh, uh, green green screen, perhaps? Yes, a little uh, bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, for me, at least, the... Uh, both the scenes that I think are the real highlights for me are the seance at the beginning and the conclusion yeah. uh, where we get to replay that incident and we get to realize what uh, Aja Argento's character um, actually was seeing at the beginning, which I, I consider to actually be a pretty neat little twist that they do at the end. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, I, I am a fan of that one. Um, shall we talk about um, kind of uh, the beginning and the end? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, yeah, so uh, the seance, um, I like this one too because it kind of starts with that foggy atmosphere. I generally mm-hmm. am a fan of film seances. I know it's a little bit of a trope, uh, but I, I dig it. Uh, it's just like something that generally I, I'm like, ooh, they're doing a seance. It's like something that I'm definitely going to be like paying pretty close attention to uh, for a little bit. And it's kind of classic Argento. reminds me a lot of Deep Red where it's like the killer's in the room blah 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 um and there's like candles going out everyone's holding hands don't break the chain uh and 
until they kind of all hell breaks loose uh, and they end up running out, uh, both the parents do, and uh, the dad uh, gets decapitated. Uh, and it looks like the mom does too, which we find out later is not correct. Um, but yeah, what do you make of the uh, seance? Oh, the seance is fun. Uh, I think uh, there, again, good use of music. Um, I really love the... the the way that they did the seance here uh where you had uh, the woman when she was talking like she had like two voices yes. um, so it add, added to that supernatural moment uh, and um and yeah i, I thought it, it, it was kind of funny though that you know because I, I didn't obviously i did not know who the killer was so I was like, oh, it's kind of funny that the killer, like right after killing someone, goes to a seance. <laughs> I mean, that, that was like part of my thought, thought process there. But uh, be, beyond that, I, I thought uh, the atmosphere is really well built. The tension is, uh, is very good, too. Um, uh, uh, Miss Argento is a terrible actor, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of... Like whenever it would cut to her, you're like, ah, oh, goddamn it, okay. Uh, it would sort of cut the tension because everything else is looking great, and then you know, Miss Argento. Uh... Yes, part of the problem is uh, the two leads in this film are both not good. Uh, Aja Argento yeah. is mediocre at best, and uh, uh, Christopher Rydell is also not good. And we also know Dario Argento is not a good actor's director. So it's kind of a terrible mixture of stuff to lead to some very mediocre performances. Uh, but yes. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit too rough on... Uh, on, on uh, What's her name? Aja. Aja? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Aja Argento in the sense that um, because this film was not dubbed... Uh, she was, you know, she has actually quite a quite a thick accent that she's trying to sort of hide. So that's like double the work plus acting itself. Uh, so you know, right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Other than that, uh, I do feel like the seance is pretty fun. And for me, at least, this twist that they do here is one of the most fun ones. I think it holds up right there almost with Deep Red, even if this film is not nearly as good as it. Uh, just, like, I love the idea of, like, the decapitated head, missing the decapitated head. It's, like, so completely uh, Argento. Um, and so, finally, at the end, we do uh, get to that point. Uh, at the end, uh, Christopher Rydell basically becomes a drug addict, a pharmacist, just, like, takes a slug at him randomly which is another thing i just kind of laughed at uh, after he stole some drugs uh and then he Ooh. ends up following uh the mom home uh thinking it might be aja uh and realizes that uh she's alive so she puts him in the basement and uh and he's about to get his uh shit ruined but the little kid saves the day by stealing the decapitator and uh using it on uh on I don't even remember what Piper Laurie's character, the mom's character at the end. Um, and uh, and then in the meantime, we get kind of like that flashback to uh, the operating scene, which is also, I, I love that flashback. I think it's, it's really funny. <laughs> it's really funny. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but it's like, it's decapitated. <laughs> it's like what what the fuck is going on and it's just like one of those moments and like i think it's pretty clear that this film and phenomena are big influences on malignant a film that you should definitely see if you have not yet another okay. film that's just like straight fun um but yeah i and but yeah i love the ending this is like she randomly has like a room for nicholas she says his name like nicholas nicholas uh yeah it's just totally bonkers ending with like a little uh macaulay culkin knockoff decapitating her it's insane uh but i love it uh i mean this is one of those scenes where it doesn't i'm not i don't know if it makes it a good movie or a bad movie but it made it it made me laugh so much um the flashback to me is just pure gold um you know you, 
you got the weird operating room where they where you know they they're just with the woman like giving birth of her sweet Nicola. Whatever it's never really explained what happened, but they accidentally decapitate the the baby coming out. <laughs> <laughs> and and I love the detail because it happens and one of the one of the doctors re- realizes that and throws up. <laughs> so you have a doctor throwing up, the other one is like, oh shit. And then they're all like fighting as the woman is just like screaming out of out of shock and they're like all arguing what they should do next i mean it's just straight up comedy and yeah and then they settle on shock therapy and they give her shock therapy in the very la- like they're like okay this is what we're gonna do shock therapy and the husband is just there like staring like what the fuck is happening uh yeah no i mean it, it's a comedy. It's a really dark comedy. It's probably yeah, one of yeah. my favorite scenes when it comes to, uh, I don't know, and, and just like a very strong use of Dutch angle uh, angles that uh, I, I I think are on purpose. I want to I want to give uh, Argento credit on that. I think like, so. Yeah. And weird panning, and it, it's just extremely comedic. It, it's almost like a Sam Raimi film. Like that, 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 that hmm. moment was almost like a Sam Raimi, you know? Yeah, yeah I can uh, see it. I can see it. Yeah. A, a very dynamic camera on something really ridiculous and bloody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a little absurd and a total what the fuck moment, uh, in like the best possible way. Uh, uh, okay. Anything else to share about the ending? Uh, I mean, no, no. The I guess no, not really. I mean, Macaulay Culkin saving the day. Uh, yeah, definitely not going to grow up to be a serial killer. <laughs> maybe or maybe not. I mean, who cares? Uh, yeah. Like <laughs> it, it's it, it's just uh, it, it's a fitting ending. It's a fitting ending to a ridiculous movie to just have the blonde little boy decapitating a woman who's yeah. trying to kill everyone else from the, the ceiling ending. yeah from the ceiling uh yes it's it's totally crazy um okay well let's get on to souvenir and who won um so oh wait 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 Be- before before we get there the, yeah the, there's a couple of things i do and i must comment uh so first of all do you have any thoughts about the heads after being decapitating, talking. <laughs> well, Do I was going to ask thoughts about that. I was going to ask you if that was your souvenir, actually, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Nathaniel immediately would have stopped, uh, turned off the movie at that point if he had somehow, by some miracle, made it that far. Um, yes, <laughs> it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean that's another kind of Sam Raimi moment, uh, very uh, cartoonish, and um, yeah. I, yeah. I think I mostly like it. It's it's definitely very goofy. I mean, especially with, uh, with again, the, the mother being killed at the end. On her head, as it's rolling, she's saying, Nicola, Nicola. Uh, so there is that. And then uh, the other thing is the little boy. Uh, again, this is where Argento's writing definitely is clunky as fuck. Because the little boy is just introduced like in three different times and all of them just feels really out of place yep uh and not only that but whenever he's there there's just like some peppy music of uh, again once again a 90s kids movie like you know ricky rich whatever you know like any trash kids movie that's the kind of music you had uh but i love where the kid goes into the killer's house just like looking at shit that's like it's in the middle of the movie i think on act two and uh, finds the weapon and puts the, the noose around his head and is about to press the button. And I literally was like, is the child just going to decapitate himself accidentally? Because if so, I'll give this movie a 10 right now. <laughs> it did not happen. Missed opportunity. <laughs> Missed opportunity. Did not happen. Uh, but, you know, it made me laugh. And then one last point yes. that I wanted to think before. Um, 
how are we feeling about uh, <clears throat> David's relationship with uh, uh, what's her face? Um, uh, Aja Argento. Or, um, it's weird. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely weird. Uh, the age gap is definitely uh, uncomfortable. But by, by uncomfortable, you mean uh, you know illegal? Illegal. Yes. Well, maybe in Italy it's not, but I mean this film is set in Minnesota, so yeah. I yeah, I mean you know, uh, it's it's pretty fucked up. And here's the thing: the main character says it's fucked up before it happens. I know, I know. It's it's so weird. Uh, and yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I mean, again, this is something you you could look look past it. You know, uh, sure. Uh, Little Mermaid uh, was sixteen years old too when you know she gets married in you know the cartoon. Yeah. But no one actually fucking says it out loud in the, in, in in that movie. Here, it's very well established. This is a little. This is a sixteen-year-old girl. Yeah, I mean, and originally when the uh, he meets her, David meets her, he's like, "Are you 14? It's like, she, yeah, she looks young. I mean, yeah, it it is one of those things that is uh, just a bit disturbing. A bit is a is a small. Okay, fair enough. Fair I, enough. I, w- I would say it, very disturbing. Anyways, the, obviously the actress is not uh, is not that age because if not, uh, Argento should be you know fucking jail. Yeah, she. I think she's like eighteen or nineteen. So I mean. She, yeah, yeah. She's she has to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, not, not even a question. She has to be. Right, right. Because Argento filmed in the U.S. Yeah. Um, okay, are you ready to get on to a uh, souvenir? And who won? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so souvenir. Uh, are you are you taking the killing item? One of those decapitated heads. The the he- uh, the head bag that perfectly uh, fits one decapitated head. I will take the decapitating item with the instruction manu- manual <laughs> to see to see what it was really for. Because I have because that's a real tool. It seems right? it seems pretty single function to me. Uh, but you know I don't know. I we gotta you know search Etsy, search eBay, the, the dark web, see what we can find. No, no I I just I feel like it's probably like an actual real. It, it probably has a, a functional use that is not just decapitating. I I would think so. Uh, but you know it might be right up there with uh, the classic Chinese weapon, the flying guillotine. It's like one one function is to just straight up decapitate. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I that actually did remind me of that. Yeah, <laughs> another one of the great inventions of China, right up there with uh, TikTok. Uh, so yeah, uh, so you're taking decapitator. Uh, I think that's the correct answer. I, I have to take it too, even though it's uh, yeah. <laughs> I just hope I don't show up to, uh, to your door one day with that. And I'm like, don't put this over your neck and hit the <laughs> hit, hit the button. Uh, uh, so who won? Argento. Okay. Yeah, you can't give it to any of the actors, can you? Uh, no. I'll give it to Piper Laurie, who plays the mom, uh, just to mix it up a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. She, she's good. I mean, she's only in like 15 minutes, but still. It's like she totally steals the 15 minutes she's in. Um, and uh, you're ready. Seven. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Seven. Uh, for me, this is probably not a great movie but it is a good argento and it's a fun argento and it's one i could probably watch uh at different points yeah i agree okay so let's get on to the next film uh stendhal syndrome 1996 the next film that came out uh so this one uh i was going to read some quick letterbox statistics uh trauma is actually a more poorly rated film on letterbox that's a three this one's a 3.2 uh, trauma has been seen, seen by 7,300 people. This one by 9,600. Uh, what did you think of... So this one's interesting uh, in the sense that it has a reputation. Uh, some people think this is his last great film. Some think it's his last good film. Uh, I'm curious what you think of this one. What do you think? This one, to me, is more of a regular giallo. In a way, it's also weird uh, in different ways. Yeah, I mean, it, it has the uh, Argento. <clears throat> so I, I actually, 
there are moments where I appreciate what Argento is trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's trying to use the technology, the modern technology of you know the nineties, mm-hmm. or, or or perhaps not. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm very. Cu- I, I would like to know how he did some of those effects, um, but. Uh, 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 Plot-wise, I mean, it, I think this is a it's a good giallo film. Uh, I don't. I I, I think it's a, a in a way this one is uh, even more coherent than the previous one, mm-hmm. than Trauma. Uh, it's a simpler film than Trauma, in my opinion. Uh, and as a giallo, it's just uh, it, it's more of a beat by beat giallo. Even though it has, you know, uh, certain weird elements like the ones we'll discuss later. I'm assuming all the, the I, either the submerged, the submerging, the submerging within the sculpt, the within the paintings, or the uh, what was it the the uh, the, anim- the 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 bullet animation. Yes. Whether or not it's CG or whatever, the, the bullet animation. Uh, yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, this is the first Italian feature to ever use CGI. Uh, did it have... It Was that CGI, though? Or was that a hand-drawn? Um, some of it was CGI. I don't know. Uh, so it did definitely use CGI at points. Uh, certainly the pill was CGI uh, and looked not... Oh, yeah. The, oh, the pill. Yeah, yeah. So I forgot about that. Yes, 100% CGI. There's no... Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, for me, uh, I actually don't like this movie. Uh, it, the movie, I think, has some interesting ideas uh, that don't totally work for me. Uh, I, I don't particularly have a great time watching this movie, uh, partly because of the subject matter. So for me, this is a film that just doesn't totally work. I think there are some interesting things on it. I was curious to revisit it to see if my opinion would change, but uh, rewatching it a second time, it kind of more or less confirmed uh, my feelings of the film. Uh, mm-hmm. Argento, I think is really gifted at creating some images here in this movie but uh it's not fun and i think part of that is because of just the subject matter of uh sexual assault it just doesn't feel like something that uh that can be taken lightly in the same way that like kind of trauma could be and so i think that uh that kind of takes away a lot of uh just the fun elements and uh his strength has never for me been kind of like the uh, more real world issues and so uh, that stuff doesn't totally land, even though it does have some interesting ideas. Like I do love a lot of the artwork and stuff like that. And the Stendhal syndrome itself is actually kind of an interesting idea to uh, to base a film off of. Um, I also think the film's too long. So anyways, uh, that is uh, getting into uh, my some of my opinions on this film. Uh, I do think there are some stuff to appreciate about this film. And I think uh, anyone that does like Argento, this is worth checking out. But uh, for me personally, I, I don't particularly care for this movie at all. Um, yeah, I I agree. I, I think that the, the subject matter is, is rough. Although I, I feel like you have uh, made me watch rougher films that you have actually enjoyed. So yeah. it, it's, it, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I think... Uh, um, I agree with you that it, it it's it's odd because uh, this one is one of those where I, I am there are certain elements that I think are not explored enough, so it feels short or not. Sh- I mean, it, but at the same time, the movie itself is really long. So I, I think I agree that uh, it, it both feels incomplete and too long, and I'm not sure how you're gonna you would fix that. Um, I I actually liked some of the CG that we saw, or the, with the paintings that you saw that that weird transitions where you would trans, uh, uh, where where definitely CG was used. I thought actually that looked really really good, and especially considering its time. Yeah, no, I, I like some of that too. Uh, I yeah, I, I think it teases that a good movie, uh, but for me it just doesn't totally get there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I think especially in the first twenty minutes, uh, the way that they use uh, kind of the stuff, I think the first twenty minutes are pretty good overall. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the gun CG and the pill CG. I think are if if the gun was CG, uh, that start to get a little. Oh, the bullet. Yes. Yeah, uh, the one. There's that one where you have the the bullet. Sh- the bullet has the reflection of, of the killer. Uh, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Uh, subject matter wise, I agree with you. It's it's rough though. Um, but I, I'm just a little bit surprised that you were so disturbed. I'm I'm like I, I'm not necessarily disturbed. I just for me at least uh, in Argento film, I have a good time almost all of the times, and for this one I don't. So it has to make up for it in other ways, and it just doesn't do that for me. Uh, so I, I do enjoy how the 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 mass rapist. That's what he is. I do enjoy how he is brutally killed by uh, by his victim. No, no, that was probably um, my favorite scene. Uh, yeah, um, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are some scenes that are well put together and stuff, uh, even if uh, gun killing is not the most interesting. Uh, but still, it's like the way he dies, where she kind of like breaks out and just like explodes and and gets him. I, I thought that was quite well done. Yeah, I mean, I and mean, in fact, she doesn't kill him with a gun i mean she literally shoots i think god uh, like he she shoots at, at, at some organ of his but he's still alive so she get she gets to kick him torment him make him watch the river where she's gonna drown him alive uh she really gets to you know fully get like she gets full revenge on the dude uh i mean besides like gouging his eye out i mean we yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think that that's where it redeemed at least. Like you know, the the bad guy gets his comeuppance uh, in in a very satisfying way. Uh, but then the movie continues. <laughs> yeah, that's like forty five minutes into it too. Um, I actually think that the serial killer slash rapist is pretty good. Like that actor is like unusually good mm -hmm. for an Argento film, meaning he's probably okay. Uh, Thomas Kreshman. Aja is maybe a little bit better than Trauma, but I still don't think she's necessarily a great actor in this film. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, it, it has its moments. So it like teases at being uh, kind of good, but then it's like, yeah, there's a lot at the end, and I don't know if like the part of her identifying uh, as the killer and stuff like that and becoming the killer uh, at the end totally works, even though like the museum set piece is pretty well handled as well. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. For me, it just uh, never quite adds up and comes together in a way that's totally satisfying. Uh, yeah, the stuff I like. I, I can the, see that. The stuff I like the most is uh, just kind of like the set design and some of a couple of the set pieces, like the one you just talked about, uh, like all of the graffiti and stuff like that. I think it's really cool that they put that in the movie as well as like uh, kind of the more classically uh, Renaissance famous art. Uh, that they have in the Florence Uffizi Gallery. Uh, Argento is the only director to have ever been granted permission to film something in there uh, during mm -hmm. this film. So it's kind of crazy that that stuff is in this uh, pretty wacko movie. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and the I, I wonder too if Argento had seen Candyman a couple of years earlier uh, to be inspired by all that graffiti and stuff like that. Uh, I want to say there. yeah. There was uh, especially uh, <clears throat> the under the bridge or, uh, scene had it just. It felt a lot like Candyman, even with the candles and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, visually, there's some really good moments uh, when um, Anna is like, there's a scene where she's talking to someone, or the, where she's like all painted up. She painted herself, and that actually is just like a very. If we're talking about cinematography and like, just design of, of the scene that's uh, just a really cool design um, I I think uh, the movie that's I, I think I agree with you that um, in a way that, 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 that it explores something interesting but it, it ends up being way too obvious uh, as soon as you know she kills the the bad guy and you know that there is another 40 minutes to go um, th there were only two paths for the movie to move forward either she becomes the killer or he is or, she, or, or he's alive and uh, the latter was just way too ridiculous because we literally saw the stage that she left him I right, mean, she right. left him. That being said, it is an Argento movie, so it's like. Uh, yeah, but then, then we go into the supernatural Argento. Like, I don't think I've ever seen an Argento movie where a person gets his eye gouged out, shot in the stomach, kicked a whole bunch, moved, and then thrown into a, a river that. I, I mean, this one goes a, a step beyond. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know, someone being uh, blinded trying to shoot at another man who may or may not have burned himself. Uh, you know, <laughs> opera. But that yeah. opera, yeah, where yeah. that one is also a ridiculous ending. Um, I, my, my gripes is more with how obvious the movie uh, like uh, continues. I mean, spe- especially with her using uh, the the blonde wig. The killer is blonde. No one else in the film is blonde. So, and mm. then after she kills the killer, she puts the red wig. All right. Well, it's kind of clear what's going to happen. Right. Um, and and if that were to be the case, I was kind of hoping. Okay, make her go all out. All out meaning that. Uh, uh, poor Marie, uh, Marie, the the boy, the male Marie, as everyone kept on saying, no, he's a boy, not a girl. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it it would have been to me, it would have been perhaps funny, even though super dark, that she ends up doing to Marie the same thing that the killer did was doing to other women. <laughs> so like switch the roles, yeah, yeah. have her, you know. That, that that would have been at least more interesting, more fun. Still fucked up, uh, yeah. but perhaps more fun as opposed to her going just halfway through and just you know shooting people. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some gorgeous scenes. Uh, I, I do like the way they frame that uh, at the end, but yeah, it's true. I, I it would have been more, would have been had more panaz to it if they had done something like that. I think a big problem too is like. They kill the killer 45 minutes in. And then it's like, Asha Argento, I just don't think has the presence to carry a film like this for like like almost a whole movie length at the end, like an hour and 15 minutes. This movie is two hours. I mean, it's so long uh, for an Argento film. So it's just like, yeah. I feel like the pacing of it is, it's just like one of those where I do get pretty bored in the last uh, hour or so. Um, I do think, I mean, like stuff like her changing her appearance, you're right. It is pretty obvious, but I do like how they do that where they have her cut her hair and then she puts on the blonde wig and changes her appearance totally. Uh, and at the middle section, people are saying, oh, you look like a boy or whatever. Um, so I think that part is, uh, I don't know, it's interesting at the least. I think there's a good mm-hmm. idea in there, uh, even if it doesn't totally add up at the end. Right, I mean, the, the, but the blonde wig, her cutting her hair makes sense. And in fact, I think I think one thing that Argento was trying to do, and uh, once again, we, we both talked that at social issues, Argento fails miserably. So if we're talking about one social issue that Argento was trying to address was, um, it's funny, I was going to say the trauma, but like literally, like that that's the word, the, the trauma of, of rape victims. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the main character is the victim, and she she went through really hard tra- trauma. That in the first half is being actually sort of explored pretty well. But then after she kills the killer, uh, it's not explained that well. And and you know, so like her cutting her hair, things like that. And by the way, but when I'm saying explained well, really, I'm saying explained well as in 90s explanations. Like today, I, I would I would hope that if, if a movie came out today, uh, they would be way better at this than, you know, a movie in the 90s. But they do reasonably well from the first half. And then after she kills him and puts, the, and then she puts her blonde wig is when it kind of goes to... I don't know. I I, I just kind of wish that it had either gone bonkers afterwards. Yeah. And by bonkers, I mean her just literally turning into the man she killed. Right, right. So sort of like just go trauma style, just balls to the wall, just yeah. go all out. Yeah. Yeah. Or or not at or or ended at just him her brutalizing him and that's it. Yeah. 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 Something like that would have made sense. Like maybe keep the. Uh, the bad guy around for a little bit longer and then like have a more clean concise way to uh end it um yeah i i mean i i don't have uh too much to talk about with this film really either um i uh one thing that is interesting is argento uh worked with the cinematographer he had not before uh giuseppe rutano uh who 
just passed away last year, I believe, uh, and is one of those famed Italian cinematographers. Um, I do like the look of this film. It looks uh, it looks good. I think Argento films are always kind of interesting visually, at least. Um, and so he brought that guy out who has, I believe, won a bunch of different awards and stuff like that for cinematography in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And this was, I believe, the last film he worked on. Um, so uh, kind of a fun uh, little fact there. Uh, anything, uh, you wanted to, uh, talk about, uh, specifically in terms of scenes or, um, I, we already kind of talked about the scene where she actually kills the serial killer, um, which I think is, uh, for me at least my favorite scene of it, uh, partly because it's nice to see him get his cub up. It's, and, uh, uh, I, I do like the way it's staged. Um, uh, I think... You know, to give a little bit of credit to the second half, they do a couple of times. They do a good job with uh, creating suspense, um, especially with a telephone moment where she gets uh, calls and there are no answers. Okay. And Marco is just watching TV and, you know, watching a Buster Keaton you, movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. And, and if you were to believe that uh, uh, the killer is, or the the serial rapist is still, you know on the loose, then uh, the tensions would be very high if you were to believe that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, perhaps that. Um, yeah, I also did, uh, you did remind me there that I, I do like the score in this film, the Ennio Morricone score. Uh, which, yes, which was that too. the first time working with him since Four Flies on Grey Velvet. I thought that was maybe the best thing about the film, second best being maybe the visuals. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the score is amazing at the museum scene and and that's the thing the museum is probably like the best scene it, besides uh brutalizing the killer uh the, the museum is probably one of the best scenes in the film and you kind of touched already on it right like seeing all those paintings and the score going along with it sort of uh, bringing to life everything you're seeing um you know, I agree with you. This is not a good movie. This movie is one of those where it has lots of good, uh, good scenes, but as an overall movie, is not a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it feels like it has some interesting elements, and so it has promise, but it just—I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't land for me. I mean, I know for some people it does work, uh, but for me, it's it does not. Um, all right. Well, if you're ready, uh, we will go on to uh, souvenir and who won. All right. Um, for souvenir, I'll take uh, the Medusa painting. Oh, nice. Is that is that uh, one of the more expensive ones? Probably. I don't know. It's it's a museum painting, so I'm pretty sure I cannot take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the museum painting is uh, definitely the objectively correct answer to take. Whatever is the most expensive there. Um, I'll take the uh, I'll take the uh, the random uh, graffiti art she was working on in her room. Uh, oh yeah, right. Yeah, which I thought was like I'm like wow they really went all out on this uh, graffiti work. I I, li I liked it. I mean I did feel like very Candyman inspired, but still uh, something mm -hmm. to enjoy. Um, okay, and uh, what rating do you give it? Or who won and rating? Um, did anyone win? <laughs> The music. Ah, yes. Morcone. Morcone. Um, I mean, I'll give props for Agenta for trying. I think um, this could have been a better movie. Significantly better. I don't know if this is his worst, to be honest. Um, there are films I like less, uh, none of which we have talked about yet on the podcast. Um mm. I do think, uh, so supposedly he was thinking about casting Bridget Fonda or Jennifer Jason Lee in this role, which would have been mm. interesting uh, because I think those are both good uh, actors. Um, so, but that being said, I, I do have a hard time seeing this being uplifted by just their performances. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like The Godfather 3, right? Where... Um... Originally, uh, they, uh, I think, uh, you know, Coppola was... Uh, Winona Ryder. Yeah, yeah Winona Ryder. And, I mean, 
come on, that would have been so <laughs> much different. That would have that would have maybe saved the movie. I mean, I don't think it would have been as good as the first two, but Winona Ryder was a really good actor. I mean, she still she still is a really good actor. That's um, true, yeah. Uh, go, going back to this one, I, I actually don't think uh, Argento in this film was nearly as bad as in the first one. Granted, part has to do with the fact that she's dubbed, just like everyone else. Uh, so she doesn't have to deal with the accent bullshit because she has a professional dubber. <laughs> right. Uh, doing her voice. Um, so... This is one of the few times where the dubbing actually helped. Um, I I I I, I want to say that um, yeah I don't know I, I she's better than a uh, Coppola in The Godfather Three. Yeah, I mean film. I think she's a better actor in general than Coppola, but her dad is not a good director of actors either, which does not help. Um, I think the film is probably better if you cast one of those two other American actors in there, but I don't think it ever becomes like truly great Argento territory either. So, eh. um, I'll I'll give uh, the winner to uh, Morcone. Um, I, I forget if that's who you gave it to too, but it it was my favorite thing of the film, the score, which reminds me a lot of like kind of the more Hitchcocky Bernard Herrmann-ish scores, but uh, just really rich and uh, I thought it perfectly suited. Uh, what the movie was trying to do. Uh, yeah. ra- rating? Uh, five and a half. Okay, I'm at a five, so pretty close, but uh, for me, uh, yeah, not just not a film. Uh, this is one that I probably will never watch again, or at least uh, until my memory is... Uh, I have forgotten that I just don't care for this film at all. So, uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, well... Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Film to Film. Uh, we will be with you again in two weeks. You can follow us at uh, the Film to Film podcast. So please do subscribe. Give us a rating. Uh, you can send us an email at zafilmtofilm at gmail.com or tweet at us at zafilmtofilm. And that is uh, Film to Film with the number two tweet. Uh, so thank you, everyone. And we'll see you all next time. Ciao.